Welcome to the More Than a Physique podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Jansen, online fitness coach, content creator, and competitive bodybuilder and powerlifter. In this podcast, we help you discover your inner athlete. Each episode will enhance your life as we provide you insights on all things health, fitness, and personal development. Now let's bring out your inner athlete. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the More Than a Physique podcast, where we discuss ways to ignite all areas of your life surrounding health, fitness, and becoming mentally elite. I'm your host, Kristen Jansen, Certified Strength and Conditioning Specialist at The Natty Hour, and welcome everybody to episode 67. In today's episode, we are going to talk about the importance of deload weeks. Now, of course, before we can do that, we have to define what a deload week actually is. And for those who don't know, a deload week is a week in your training where for that entire week of training, you actually still go to the gym to work out, but the intensity and volume of your workouts are easier to manage. It's essentially a scheduled reduction in the total intensity and or volume of your workouts. So today we will cover why you should implement a deload week and how to successfully implement a deload week based off of your training age. So the reason I want to talk about this today is because so many of my new athletes always ask me why they need to implement a deload week. And even when I post it on my Instagram that I'm implementing a deload week, so many people, they say to me that they're so used to going balls to the wall every single week. So the idea of periodically taking it easy for an entire week, it can be a tough concept for a lot of people to accept. But the overall importance of periodically taking it easy is completely necessary if if you want to have a long lifting career in a pain-free and injury-free matter. So deloads, they are useful after a training block to help just reduce that accumulated fatigue, it promotes recovery, and promotes positive training adaptations. So it's not to say that deload weeks are magical weeks where you're never going to sustain an injury, but it definitely can help mitigate the risk of that. So that leads me into why you want to be implementing a deload week. So there are several reasons, but a few that kind of come to mind, obviously I kind of already mentioned it here. The first one is they help you reduce the risk of overuse injuries. The second reason is they help you break through training plateaus. And the last one here that's worth talking about today is that they help mitigate underperformance and workout burnout. So let's go over these reasons in detail. Firstly, why would we want to reduce the risk of overuse injuries? You know, I think that's important question to ask here because most people, they think that they're invincible and believe that injuries won't happen to them until it does. And believe me, it's not fun. Even if we implement the correct protocols of warming up, stretching, lifting correctly, prioritizing our cool down, and even getting enough protein after our training sessions, we're still at risk of injuring ourselves simply just from overuse 
an overuse injury. Now to some, overuse injuries may not sound that bad. You might be saying to yourself, so what, a few aches and pains here and there, I can handle that and power through. No pain or gain, right? Well, before you fully believe a statement like that, let's just kind of look at the effects and timeline that often occur during the different stages of an ignored overuse injury. So stage number one is known as acute fatigue, which often lasts only for a couple of days. The negative effects are typically nothing more than an altered neuron function. So for those who don't know, neurons are nerve cells that are responsible for receiving sensory input and sending motor commands to our muscles to work properly. So if these neurons stop sending those commands to our muscles as efficiently as we want them to when we're training, you should be able to imagine how that will impact our training and our performance over time. The next stage is known as functional overreaching. So if the first stage of acute fatigue isn't addressed, we moved on to the next stage of functional overreaching. And this is when an athlete undertakes excessive training that leads to a short-term decline in performance where recovery, it may take a few days up until a couple of weeks of rest that is needed. The negative effects at this stage involves altered motor unit recruitment and altered sympathetic activity. So without getting too much into the complexity and the science of it to break it down here, motor unit recruitment is how many motor neurons are activated in a particular muscle when we are exercising. If this number starts to go down because you are at this stage of overtraining, it can mitigate muscle growth, performance, and you know, that's something that we don't want, of course. And then in regards to the sympathetic nervous system, that prepares our body for fight or flight, which is extremely important during exercise. We want our sympathetic nervous system to be activated. So this is not something that we want altered if we're at this stage of overtraining. I should note though, for any power lifters who are listening to this, this stage right here, it's also known as the overreaching stage. So you've probably have heard that before. And that's where the program of this sport actually strategically brings the athlete to this stage of functional overreaching. And that's as an attempt to peak the power lifter for their meet in the future. And then once they're at that point, they strategically taper off after reaching this stage. But for the average gym goer, it's not necessary to implement this type of overreaching as it can be quite detrimental if it is mismanaged. So unless you're an experienced powerlifter or a coach in powerlifting, I definitely would avoid this stage. So after that, we move on to the next stage, which is non-functional overreaching. And this can require rest that is needed for weeks, sometimes even months. You know, this stage, it leads to a de decrease in performance, a decrease in muscle glycogen, increased resting heart rate, increased blood pressure, and it actually causes disturbances to our immune function, hormonal concentrations, and our overall mood. Of course, you know, as you can imagine here, you guys, this is not something that we want to be occurring. And then the last stage 
is the overtraining syndrome. This is the most critical stage and it's caused by prolonged chronic overtraining. And that's without the necessary recovery and when we reach this type of overtraining, it can last many months and sometimes years. So in addition to the negative effects that I previously mentioned that obviously occur during this stage, it also causes increased risk of sickness, infection, and there's disturbances as well to one's emotions and sleep. This is the worst case scenario and if we ever reach this stage, we definitely need to take it very seriously. So with these different stages of overtraining, it's not meant to scare anybody away from lifting weights. In fact, you know, resistance training is actually one of the safest activities one can perform, but we do want to implement the appropriate measures of being proactive and giving our bodies time to rest, recover, and adapt versus being reactive to a sudden injury or, you know, sudden fatigue that just came out of nowhere. Trust me, it's better to be proactive than reactive. The next reason as to why you want to implement a deload week is because they help break through training plateaus. So deloads actually help promote positive training adaptations. What happens here is prior to implementing a deload week, let's say it's a four-week training block and on the fifth week, you take your deload week, you scheduled it for that fifth week. During those first four weeks, you're pushing yourself in the gym, right? Where week after week, your fitness levels are going up, you're getting stronger and stronger. Something else that is happening during those four weeks is that you are accumulating stress and fatigue. Exercise is a form of stress, so even though you might not feel fatigue, it's still accumulating where that increase in your fitness levels is going to go up for only so long before we start to see an inverse effect and your fitness levels start to go down. And that's due to the accumulated fatigue that is occurring as well. At the end of the day, we can only push ourselves and go balls to the wall for so long, right? Where your body is eventually going to be like, okay, that's enough. I need a break. The accumulated fatigue and implementation of a deload week actually allows you to achieve what is known as super compensation. So that's just a fancy word for adaptation, which means that in an exercise sense, our muscle tissue recovers and these strength levels will increase to levels above your original baseline. So basically, this means that when you provide your body with a stressor, so the stressor being exercise, then you remove that stressor, so you lift lighter during your deload week, then your body adapts to deal with that stressor again in the future. So let's go over an example here. Say the stressor is back squats, right? You're doing back squats, where by the end of the four weeks, you can barely do three sets of eight at 135 pounds. Then you implement your deload week and reduce your intensity so let's say you reduce your intensity where that week you lift three sets of eight at 95 pounds. So you lift lighter. In theory, the next training block after your deload week, doing three sets of eight again at 135 pounds would feel easier or you would be able to lift even heavier that 
is what super compensation is. You have increased your fitness levels above and beyond what you thought that you originally could do. And that is due to you taking the deload week. So by allowing your body to recover after the stress you placed on it, it becomes better at dealing with that stressor in the future. Whereas if you try to push and push and push week after week after week, you are missing out on potential strength gains and the benefits of supercompensation. And the last reason as to why you want to implement a deload week is because they help mitigate underperformance. Listen, I don't care how long you've been lifting weights. There is always room for improvements. There's always a slight change or tweak you can make to your foot placement when you're doing bench press or your ankle mobility or breathing technique during back squats. Whatever it may be, we can always make improvements to our form and technique, which allows us to increase our performance. But how can you make those improvements if each week we are just trying to push ourselves harder than the previous week. At some point, our technique can start to break down as a way to compensate to allow us to lift more, and that's where underperformance comes into play. So by taking a step back and reducing how much weight is on the bar every once in a while, it allows us that time that we need to make those necessary changes and tweaks, which will, of course, allow us to better perform with more weight on the bar in the future. So keep in mind that a deload week is not a free week off of the gym. You still have to show up, put in the work, and pretend like there's still heavy weight on the bar. You know, take it as an opportunity to slow things down and strive to make improvements and constantly focus on perfecting your technique. So hopefully I was able to get my point across as to why deload weeks are so important. Now let's talk about how to actually implement a deload week. It's important to note that one size doesn't fit all when it comes to how and when to implement a deload week for yourself, but I definitely recommend planning your deload week ahead of time. You know, again, being proactive versus reactive. So a good recommendation is to implement a deload week every four to eight weeks. If you're a new lifter, so if you've been lifting for less than two months, a deload every six to eight weeks is totally necessary. As you move towards being more intermediate or advanced, so you have been lifting longer than two months, two months or more, a deload week every four to six weeks would be necessary. Now for some of my clients who are listening, you already know that myself, I assign deload weeks every four weeks even if you're a new lifter. And the reason I do that is because I do notice that most of my clients express a lot of fatigue within that time frame, especially when they're a new lifter and there's so many different movement patterns where they look forward to that deload week in that fourth week. So I have found four weeks to be an optimal time frame for myself and my clients. But if you're doing your programming on your own and you know that you can implement one every six weeks, there's nothing wrong with that. Again, there's no one size fits all. A general range here is what we are after. Now that you know how often to implement a deload week, the next order of business is how much should you be lifting? And there are two ways you can reduce your volume depending on how your program is built. The first method 
is to reduce your intensity by 10%. So if your programming is percentage-based, I would simply reduce your intensity down by 10%. For example, if you finish your training block at 85% for your back squats, your deload intensity for that, for that particular exercise would be 75%. The next method is to reduce your RPE from eight or nine to six, depending on what your programming had you left at. So if your programming is RPE-based, I would simply reduce your intensity down to an RPE 6. If your programming isn't percentage-based or RPE-based, and this is like completely new to you, I would definitely recommend trying to implement an RPE-based programming at least. And the reason for that is just because it allows you to gauge how much you are lifting so you know how to effectively reduce your load as needed to have a successful deload week. So if you are interested in that, let's just quickly go over what RPE is. So RPE stands for Rate of Perceived Exertion. The RPE scale is a numerical measurement of how hard exercises feel. So the RPE scale is how you would gauge how much you should be lifting based off of how much you assign the RPE. We typically want to be lifting at about an RPE 8 when we are in our regular weeks of training. And this is where you should gauge yourself to be lifting enough where by the end of the prescribed reps, you only feel like you have about two reps of energy left in the tank, meaning you couldn't lift more than two more reps at a particular weight. So let's go over an example, say you're doing bicep curls for four sets of eight and you decide to lift 15 pounds. If you can lift way more than eight reps at 15 pounds, you aren't lifting heavy enough, so you should try using 20 pounds or however much you feel is necessary, where by the end of the eight rep count, you only have enough energy to do no more than two more reps. If you feel like you can push another four plus reps at that weight, again, you're not lifting heavy enough. So this just allows you to gauge progress over time in the gym. RPE 8 is considered to be a reasonable challenge where you should have about two reps left in the tank. So if you want the full scale, feel free to Google it because RPE 10, it goes all the way up to 10, is where you have zero reps left in the tank. So that's completely till failure. Definitely not something that you want to be doing on every single set, every single exercise, but that's a whole other discussion for another day. So when you go to implement the deload week operating at an RPE 6, is where it's recommended. And that's where it feels like you have about four reps left in the tanks. So maybe for our example, you would lift 15 pounds for four sets of eight if it feels like you have about four reps left in your tank of energy. So when it comes to the RPE scale, it just allows you to gauge how much you should be lifting. So overall, deload weeks are extremely important. I understand it's a tough mindset for some people to break because they are so used to constantly pushing themselves, but we have to remember that our bodies can only do so much and we can't fight our bodies by constantly driving them into the ground until we can't take no more. It's time we start to normalize the importance of rest and recovery because that's often the missing component to unlocking your true potential to achieving your fitness goals. 
All right, team, that about wraps up this week's episode. I really do hope that you guys found it helpful. If you did, do me a huge favor. Head over to iTunes and make sure that you leave me a review if you haven't already. And as well, too, make sure that you share this to somebody who you know will find this helpful. Share it to your Instagram and make sure that you guys tag me. Thank you all again so much for listening. I look forward to chatting with you all again next week. But until then, go out there, strive for more be more and ignite your inner athlete.